Hey, welcome to the weekly. This is Calvary Bible Pass podcast where we connect what happened on this weekend services to your real life lived Monday through Friday. Today is a great show. We have senior pastor Tom Shirk in the booth and my friend Jay Ewing. How's it going, Thomas? It's going well, man. Yeah. It's, it's back up to 60 degrees. <laughs> it is back up to you can get a sunburn out there today. Yeah. It's great. You watch it. Yeah, man. Hey, let you know what's happening at Calvary. You can always visit calvarybible.com. We love to connect with you there throughout the week. But recently, what's coming up at Calvary in this spring, uh, some really great events. Calvary News is at calvarybible.com slash events. You can go there to register for middle school retreat. If you got a middle schooler in your house, that's a great way for them to connect this spring here at Calvary. And then the women's retreat is just a few weeks away, and there's plenty of space there. So go to calvarybible.com slash events. Check it out. Also, as we continue this regathering that is safe and simple in 2021, um, we have some big news in March. Kids Quest is upping their um, participants and who's going to be there every Sunday. And then also, Coffee is back at Calvary starting March 7th. You can always go to calvarybible.com and register uh, for services starting on Sunday. And then March 7th, Easter registration opens. And like I said, like I keep repeating, calvarybible.com for that. All right, let's jump in it. We have a great friend with us today, our fearless leader, our senior pastor, Tom Shirk. How's it going, Tom? I have some fears, but I love being with you today. We want to start with great friend yeah. slash boss. Great boss. friend. But yeah. But yeah. friend sounds so good. It does yeah, sound good. I enjoy you. You're a friend. It's uh, really good, man. Uh, blesses me. And yeah. So, hey, we got a, a really fun show. He's going to jump into John 15 because he was on the online message here at Calvary this last week, finishing up the I Am series. But before we get there, I want people to understand who Tom is. And so let's ask this question. If you're going to have a free day on your calendar, you can do whatever you want. Okay. Um, what would you choose to do or who would you choose it to do it, it with? If I had a day to do whatever I wanted, having fulfilled all my other duties, <laughs> yeah, so you took out the trash, yeah, you I did, did the dishes, um, the dog, I would be on a river somewhere probably by myself or with my son, uh, fishing, uh, fly fishing somewhere in the solitude of the outdoors. Yeah. I would love doing that. How many years have you fly fished? Uh, almost as long as I've been at Calvary, uh, you know, so probably yeah. 28 years or so. Did someone at Calvary or how'd you get into that? Uh, one of my, one of my mentors, uh, first one of my best friends bought me a fly rod on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Oh, uh, nice. it was a great gift. That was a long time ago when we actually did that. That's the month of October, <laughs> if anyone's interested. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Well, Pastor, yeah, Pastor Appreciation uh, Month. Gave me a fly rod. It was a beautiful gift. And then we went out fishing together. But Jay Schwartzwalter, my dentist, former mm -hmm. elder, great mentor in my life, uh, is really responsible for being an influential mentor in fly fishing, too. Oh, man, that's wonderful. Yeah. So you had never fished, or at least fly fished, in Connecticut, in Montana, Philadelphia? No, no my dad was a fisherman, but we always fished with worms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. That's different. Yeah, it's very you, different. Were you born in Texas? No, no. no, no. <laughs> that's what we did, too. Uh, metal or worms, that's what you fly, you fished with. Yeah. 
And it wasn't until I got out here and saw the beauty of the rivers and learned how to fly fish. And it's an elegant, artful, beautiful sport for solitude, which is often what I need. Um, you know, if I had a day off, I'd want to be in solitude. Right. That's a great place. I know that you're, you know, you're the senior pastor, so you have to be extroverted to some extent. Do you think you're an introvert or extrovert? I'm a trained extrovert. Oh, explain what we mean by trained. Um, if I had my druthers, yeah, I could hermitize my life. <laughs> yeah, I could. I, I could. Uh, and my wife is the opposite. Lucy loves a party, mm -hmm. and. I've learned to go along with that. <laughs> uh, but given a day off, I'd like to do nothing or do something, you know, with her or just quietly. And she would always love to have the party, have people over. And so I've learned how to do that. And, of course, you have to be sort of outgoing as right. a pastor in the role that we are with people all the time. Right. Uh, but it's something I've developed. It's really cool, man. I think it's just really good. It blesses us to know who you are and, you know, what God has done in your life and how he's formed you. you know? I have a lot more. Yeah. Nope. That'd be great. <laughs> Come on. Let's go, man. <laughs> this podcast we learned about Tom. But, yeah. uh, hey, you know, if we think about 2020, 2021, we've had a lot of free time um, on the, the extracurricular time on our hands because a lot of things got, you know, canceled or uh, no schedule. So what would – be your favorite movie you've seen mm. in the past year? You know, I don't, number one, I don't watch a lot of movies and I rarely remember movies. So, so you're a great person to ask this <laughs> yeah, question. I'm a good person to ask yeah. this question. Um, but in the last year, probably an influential movie I saw was Harriet on uh, the life of Harriet Tubman and her role in the Underground Railroad and being escaping slavery and then contributing to the lives of others to be released and just a sad triumphant inspirational story that i thought was just a really great movie this year i watched that's awesome mm -hmm. that's really cool i'll have to check it out i didn't see it Do you, have you seen it thomas i don't know if i've seen a movie in the last 12 months wow but that that's not from yeah. the fault of like wanting to see a movie right there's some time constraints yeah totally. i get it man well, hey, you know, you're smoking meat on the weekends more than watching movies. True, true. <laughs> hey, Tom, last week, this last weekend, Thomas did ribs on his Walmart grill, charcoal grill. And Walmart, they were, Walmart is a, in a class of its own. <laughs> Our friend not, not everyone can buy a the Traeger, and, and Thomas walks in on a Walmart grill, <laughs> and they were great. They were great. I mean, where, where was I? <laughs> where were you well we were going to ask you but lucy said you didn't want to come to the party so i was hermitizing <laughs> all right let's begin let's, let's get in the conversation of john 15 and what a, a great weekend to finish out the i am series um my my life and my heart has just been blessed by all you guys and your your commitment to the lord and to the excellence of your preaching over this series this has been great um, last week we had John Boyle in the seat that you're sitting in. And I, I, I gotta say that if you haven't listened to that podcast, you need to go back because his definition of home has just been in my heart the whole time since, uh, that conversation. So you want to check out the last podcast with John Boyle, his definition of home. So, you know, as the preacher, uh, Tom, John 15, uh, what are some things you thought you, you didn't have time to actually explain or to leave out of the message that, might be beneficial for us here at Calvary. 
So whenever you study for a message, you always have more than you can use. And there are a lot of ways to sort of slice the delivery of the content that you're looking at. And John 15 is just such a rich passage. And there were many ways that you could present that passage, but I basically looked at the three major participants in the analogy, the, the vine, which is Jesus, the vine dresser, which is our Father in heaven, and the branches, which represents believers. And I talked a lot about the Father's role, in taking away dead branches and pruning. I talked about the branches and the whole aim of becoming a fruitful branch and what that entails. But the piece that we probably didn't talk about personally, deeply, is the vine himself, which is Jesus, uh, that, that he is the source of life. Flowing from him comes the sustenance for the spiritual life for every Christian, every branch. And I think if I had another 20 minutes, I probably would have talked more about what it means to... Uh, have the life of Christ in you? What does it mean to really, all the other words that the Bible talks about, walk in his steps, follow him, be a disciple, uh, take up your cross and follow him. Who is this person? But that's really been a part of the emphasis of the whole I Am series, so I emphasize the other two. Yeah, I really enjoyed how you um, connected John 14 to what was going on in John 15. And I thought that was you know, if you're talking about the, the vine being Christ, I thought that was super helpful in the whole story itself. Good. I think it's, you know, it's imperative to think about the context in which this episode happened. And, and when you see the dangers uh, that Jesus, I think, was warning, uh, there's, there's going to be demonic influence around you. There's going to be people who don't like you. So how do you survive that? I am the vine. Stay with me. Yeah, so, you know, you, you've been a quote, unquote, quote, unquote, whatever it says, but as a professional Christian getting paid to do this. But what do you think is so great about Jesus in your own, you know, personal life as you think about talking about him in John 15 and being the vine and sort of where you're at today? What is like some of the great nuggets that you've just banked on in your whole Christian walk with pursuing Jesus? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, I've come to know that he actually is the great I am. He, he's the one who's just like the Father. But particularly in this text, I, I'll just say that I had a rich spiritual experience in my study by looking at um, the end of 14 and uh, the verse where Jesus says, I've kept my Father's commandments, verse 10 of chapter 15. Jesus kept his Father's commands. And it didn't land on me in the same way previously as it did this week preparing that the command is that's in his mind that he kept. And just imagine it. The father commanded that the son should die. Yeah. I mean, that is an amazing command that the father would just say to Jesus, I, I command... I charge that you go to earth and die for all of these people. And Jesus said, I keep my father's command. Why? Because I love him. And thinking about Jesus doing his father's will to the point of death because of his deep love for his father frames his 
admonition to us, we need to keep his commands. Why? Because we love him. We truly do love him. Do you love me? Keep my commandments. You know, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. That's, that's the issue. Do you love Jesus? Uh, as I have loved the Father, so I've loved you, and abide in my love. So uh, that was, I don't know, the moving yeah. reflection about the life of Jesus. Yeah, I could, you know, as you read John, that seems to be the th- a theme that comes out of the commands of Christ and what he's commanding us to do and how he's inviting us to obey. And um, I think that was a great insight to your message and found it very personally like, oh, yeah, that's, it's not by accident that Jesus came and died. You know what I mean? It's, it's a purpose. It had an intent. Yeah, and I think the other thing about, we may sometimes say, well, man, the commands of Jesus are hard. Well, I mean, they're not as hard as what he, he obeyed. Right. And what's the motivation to obey hard commands? God loves me, and I love God. And, and that's really the grounding for obedience in the hard things. So uh, that was helpful for me personally. Yeah, Thomas, you, historically, I've heard you say, um, you know, when temptation comes and your reflections on even Jesus and his own temptation and his own, um, his own life, you've had a, quite a few reflections on that, if you want to elaborate. You know, one of the key ones is what was Jesus' motivation? So for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, like despising the shame. And I see this in this text, John 15, and you talked about this on Sunday, Tom. If you keep my commands, that's the obedience, that's listening to his voice, following his voice, then you abide in my love as, you know, I keep my father's commands. Jesus is obeying the father and abide in his love. And then these things I have spoken to you, that, so that, like I've, I've shared this with you about what I'm asking you to do, what I'm calling you to do, so that my my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so obedience is, for me, looking at Jesus' reflection to his obedience to the Father, for the joy set before him, and I think that's for me too, for the joy set before me, is that I would have the fullness of Jesus' joy in me and that my joy may be full. Now, I think you mentioned this on Sunday, talking about the joy that we have or maybe been challenged by in the last year um, what is the good working definition of this idea of joy, and how do you have joy in the midst of sufferings and going through, you know, dark dark days as you're obedient to the Father or as you're obedient to Jesus? Well, one way to think about it is just a settled contentment that I am in God, in Christ, with God. God's with me. Christ is in me, and you know, it, it's the pressures and losses of life that sometimes jeopardize a sense of joy. Um, And certainly there are times in the Bible where great saints who preceded us went through tremendous seasons of lament and suffering and grief and sorrow and say, well, did they have joy? Well, I think if you define joy not as being some euphoric emotional high, but a settled contentment that I'm in Christ, Christ is in me, I'm with God, God is with me, and everything that I'm experiencing right now is known to him, I'm known to him, I'm safe with him, especially if you be going through an experience and say, that doesn't look like a joyous experience from every human definition. But 
it could be a very joyous definition if the definition is I'm still with Christ. Christ is in me. God's with me. I'm in him. Yeah, in my own personal life, I find the stories of the saints before me dealing with these sufferings and trials and these hardships to be really encouraging in my own walk and choosing joy. So, you know, if you want to just a really practical way to live this out is, you know, find great biographies of Christian men and women who've gone before you to encourage you, to to point you to the ancient ways where the good way is to walk in it. And um, that's just a really important little tidbit there for your Christian life is you have to look to others to actually get the definition of joy and actually understand where you're going. Yeah, I think one of the things that has been encouraging to me is this idea of joy being a buoyancy to my life, that it's an internal reality of something that exists on the inside like a bobber, so that no matter what, you're always, if you're pulled under or the circumstances are tumultuous, there's a buoyancy that brings you back to the, the surface. Like you continue to resurface and live on on top. Whereas like happiness, when we talk about circumstantial, is really overflow of a bounty. Like when it's bountiful, then the circumstances almost swell and try to bring you up. But when they're not there, you kind of have experienced this drought and this lull. Whereas joy is an internal reality that despite its circumstances continues to bring you to the surface so you can breathe and live on top. And looking at the saints, looking at, you know, Paul, looking at John who writes this and knowing where his circumstances lead to ultimately, seeing that joy that he has in his life is what the spirit being found in Christ, like you're talking about, has for the Christian. It really is a sweet privilege to go through life knowing that these internal realities continue to resurface me, bring me up so I don't drown in the midst of my sufferings. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Let's turn the corner to one of the main ideas of this text, and it's this word abiding. And Tom, you mentioned one of the one of the four aspects of abiding in Christ in this text was joy. So I think we've covered that. The other three were obedience, a life of obedience, a life of prayer, a life of other loving others. Um, would you find meaningful as you continue to examine those and prepare for this weekend? Well, I mean, all four of them together are sort of related, aren't they? They're, they're connected to each other. And if you'd say, what does a fruitful life look like? One of the ways to look at it is the fruit is actually these four things. Um, <clears throat> so, again, a, a life of obedience to the word yeah. gives way to a life of communication with God, being in the word, you know, these aren't new themes, but being in the word and listening to it and obeying it, being in communion with God in prayer gives way to joy that he's in control and a motivation to love other people. These aren't easy to do, but they're connected to each other. And I think the joy and the love flow from communing in his word, praying to him, and, um, you know, if you would say, which is the hardest one that we've had to experience in the last 10 months, you know, it might be joy. Yeah. It might be joy. But um, all of them manifest that I'm staying near Jesus. You know, if I'm abiding, then I want to hear his words. If I'm abiding, then I'm praying in a sense without ceasing. Having a communal relationship with Jesus is natural. Uh, having the assurance that, He's in control with joy and 
loving others. Yeah, that's great. We had a we had someone write in from the Boulder campus, a college student. And I think this is a great pairing between abiding and living in God's commands and knowing God's will. And he he asks us on the weekly. So if you want to write to us at theweekly at calvarybible.com, send us an email if you got questions. That's just a little plug there. But he write, could you elaborate on what it might look like when we try to figure out God's calling for our lives? And he says he's at the point where he feels like he's just waiting for some kind of prompting or some kind of road to open up where he can see that God's calling him. And he doesn't know how to marry the passions of his own life, his personal desires, or what he wants to do in life with God's desires for this life. So maybe you two can speak to sort of answering that question for our good friend in Boulder. Okay. Well, delighting yourself in the Lord, um, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So the starting point is that your delight is in Jesus. And the more you delight in Jesus, the more likely your desires are going to align with the desires of Jesus. So um, I, I think it's not unlike what actually was in the text of verse 16 from John chapter 15. Um, I chose you and appointed you that you would go bear fruit and that your fruit should abide and then ask whatever you want of the Father in my name and he'll do it for you. So I think the way to try to align your desires with God's desires begins by delighting, or in the language of this text, remaining, abiding, continuing in Jesus. And he is committed to directing our lives. He will direct your paths. Thomas, do you have any reflections on this word abiding and speaking towards Kyle? Yeah, I think actually it's, it's wrapped up in this idea of abiding, which... I've had maybe a dozen conversations this week around the challenge that we have, I think, as modern Americans of thinking about what it means to abide, especially as modern Christians, when we're evangelical Christians, wanting to do so many good works for the Lord. And it's a fundamental shift where the nucleus of our faith goes from, okay, I'm going to spend my energy to produce these great works and fruits for God, to I'm expending my energy so that I can remain connected to Jesus. Like my energy goes to being connected to Jesus because if you're connected to Jesus, the natural thing of the branch is to bear fruit. And so if, if I'm connected, then I can't help but bear fruit. Whereas if I'm spending my energy trying to create fruit, then it's kind of frustrating. Like, is this the fruit that Jesus wants me to do? What about this fruit? What about that kind of fruit? What kind of fruit should I have? And in my conversations with people, one thing I've been thinking about this week, and it's actually has to do with being a, a culture that's not an agrarian culture. So every time we open these passages up with Jesus, we talk about what was the culture of Jesus's day and how is he using agrarian illustrations of farming, of shepherding, of cultivating to illustrate kingdom principles. And we just don't live in a society of cultivation. So cultivation is investment over time with patience. That's probably a terrible definition, but at least gets you in the direction of, that's what cult, like a farmer cultivates. For sure. Whereas we live in a manufacturing society, and we have for a long time now, right, since the Industrial Revolution, first in Europe and then in America, and there's been hundreds and hundreds of books written about the societal shift from an Industrial Revolution 
um, on like the family unit on your faith. Like all of a sudden you have mom and dad going to different industries. So you no longer have the family working together to bring about something for the family's good or for the community's good. You can have different interests. And all of a sudden you have career options. All of that comes from an industrial revolution. And that was spurred on by the uses of certain metals like iron and steel. And plenty has been written about that. What's interesting to me is this with the industrial revolution is what has fundamentally shifted is the power sources. So the industrial revolution comes about by, um, by human beings capitalizing on new powers. So I'm also going to have a steam engine. I'm going to capitalize on the power of water to produce something, manufacture something. Or I'm going to capitalize on you know, ore and coal and produce like fossil fuels and then I'm going to build like electricity. And so the big shift comes from, okay, before those things, I was dependent on God as the source for all of life. So I didn't really get up early and work because the sun hadn't come up yet and I can't see too much. And when the sun would go down, I really wouldn't spend the evening hours doing a lot because the sun had gone down. I would be dependent on the seasons and the rains, waters, all of those things. And now it's like, no, I can I can generate power in the morning and I will wake up and work when I want to wake up and work and I will stay up and work as long as I want to work and I will create power in my life to manufacture goods and services because I can harness those things and then you forget wow actually God is the cultivator of all these things I have to be connected to God who brings the power into my life so that I can produce something over time and I think in a society where we I think we view ourselves as too powerful and we, we plumb our houses, we wire our houses so that we can be energy independent. And then a small snowstorm that comes into Texas, maybe big for Texas. Yeah, it might be big. Shuts it down, right? right? It's like, whoa, how fragile we are on our own manufactured power sources. And God's saying, you really can't do anything unless you're connected to the vine, to Jesus Christ. And so for us to sit back and for a moment to say, okay, I'm not the ultimate power source of manufacturing goods and services in my life. I have to be connected to God, which is an, an agrarian idea of being connected to the vine. And it's time. That's why we're talking about obedience. That's a long direction. Prayer is a continual practice. Reading God's word is precept upon precept. Like you just don't open it and know the whole thing. And that is, is timely and it's consistency and it's habit. That's different than our modern world where we just replace everything. It's cheaper to replace it. And even if, like, think about friendships. I mean, if, if friendships are hard online because you have different views on life, you just go get new friends, right. get a new social group, go get a new church because these people don't agree with me anymore. And everything's so dispens dispensable as opposed to time, investment, this is my return. Yeah, that's, so good. That's really so good. So helpful. And I would just add, um, you know, in the analogy of the agrarian society, your farming product wouldn't come for a year, and to, and to your point, so you know it takes a, it takes time um, through different seasons: dry, wet, sunny, cold, and then it comes. And I think that's the way we should think more about our spiritual development of these fruits. That's a really good picture. I think that should get us really excited for getting up, opening up God's Word, and having a prayer life. And when you pray prayers and they just feel really dry or you open the scriptures and you read it and you're thinking, well, I didn't really feel any different. It's okay. Those are investments over time. Those are seeds planted that later sprout, that later birth life. And so I think for the, our, our listeners writing in this question or for any of us, we should get really excited about planting 
and cultivating and harvesting um, because those, those are the practices of the Christian faith and we shouldn't be discouraged by them and just waiting and we should be allowing to wait for those, those things to happen in our life. Yeah, that's really great insight. Hey, so since we have you here, Tom, what are we expecting as we turn the conversation even once again in the podcast? What are we expecting uh, happening at Calvary this spring? What are you looking forward to? What's coming up on our schedule, the preaching schedule, and the life around Calvary? So this Sunday, I hope you'll join us if you can. We're going to talk about uh, Calvary's mission and our vision in a moment that we're in. We're in a really unique time in the history of the world and our history as people. We've never been through what we've been through, but we know God's still working his church. So we're going to do that this weekend. And then starting March 7th, we're going to do a four week series on Ephesians chapter six on being battle ready for the challenges that we face in our spiritual life. And, um, you know, it is a battle. We have an enemy who wants to devour and destroy us. And we're going to look in the weeks of March at how God wants us to be equipped to live the spiritual life for him and uh, really pay attention to a couple of the strategies of our enemy that he seeks to take us down with. That's great. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, Calvary, if you uh, you want to go check it out, go to calvarybible.com, sign up for the Sunday service, the mission and vision of where Calvary is going and on three campuses on our online as well, our fourth campus, the online campus. Hey, I was looking at our history wall this week, and I just dawned on me as I read through the stories once again of the people of Calvary that Jesus has sustained Calvary through uh, a pandemic, 1918. He's sustained Calvary through a Great Depression, World Wars, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how God's going to prepare us in 2021 and for the future of Calvary Bible Church. So you don't want to miss that. Uh, We'd love to see you in service or online this weekend, go to calvarybible.com, get information about all those uh, coming events. Hey, Tom, thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. It was great to have you, man. Just bless me, bless my heart. Hey, Calvary, I hope you're you're blessed as well. We'd love to hear from you at uh, calvarybible.com or go to theweekly at calvarybible.com. It's the email address right there. You can email us, ask questions. It's so fun to answer questions, even from a a college student on the Boulder campus. Thanks for writing in. Thanks for giving us your time in that and honoring us. We look forward to seeing you very soon. Have a great week.